Hey there, friends. Thank you so much for joining us for the Act on Sign show for Tuesday, March 10th, 2020. I'm one of your show hosts, Curtis Martin, and returning for the third week in a row is Sam Renshaw. Yay! How are I'm, you doing this week? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Anything exciting happening? Um, I get to puppy sit again this week. Oh, that's so That's exciting. the only thing. Yeah. That's con all-consuming. All-consuming. As it should be. Baby golden retriever. So yeah. cute. I saw one just the other day. We have one in the building mm -hmm. who was like, was baby baby when they first got him, and now is like starting to grow up a little. Aww. So cute. I know. He's going for their little walks. Their legs are just way too long to do anything. Yep. Yeah. Cool. That's it. But yeah, that's <laughs> it. Pets. Pets are nice. I know. Good way to start the show. Yeah. Uh, not what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about sort the. Of. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> the coronavirus and climate change times two, which should be very interesting. Will a succulent save the world? And the rabbit hole of online information, <laughs> which will be fun. Um, so yes, this is the Act on Science show. For those of you who don't know, every week we get together to talk about environmental news and what it means for us in our day today. If you think that's great, we'd love for you to catch our show on your favorite podcast service, or you can head over to YouTube, search for the Act on Science show. Um, I think we're under the channel Act on Science, so search for that, and then you'll find the show. Um, and of course, Act on Science is all about ongoing conversations with all of you. So we'd love for you to be part of the show by going to at Act on Science on Instagram, writing in all of your questions, your comments, your concerns, etc. Uh, we'll be posting during the week leading up to recording on there, asking for all of your thoughts, and then we'll bring those into the show when we record. But of course, if you don't have time to catch our show, that's no problem. We'd still love for you to head over to at Act on Science on Instagram, uh, be part of the conversation, ask all the great questions. Uh, yeah. I saw last week you posted too on your Instagram, yeah. which is super awesome. So either of us, anybody. Well, yeah, contact us, yeah. anything, whatever. It would be great. Um, so we usually start off our show with a little segment called It's Time to Act, where we go over kind of the things you can do to act on the science, which is very challenging. Um, but the first one I threw in here was a follow-up from last week. Yeah. Uh, so last week we talked about the right whales and the federal government measures and all that. Mm -hmm. And it came from Haley and we had talked a little bit about compensation right. for fishers yep. and the shipping industry and if there was anything like that. And Haley, who was super awesome, wrote back uh, with this. So Haley said, no compensation is being given to the shipping industry or fishing industry, uh, at least directly. Uh, fishing is allowed to fish earlier than usual to reach their catch faster. So the mid-season fishing closures do not impact their catch, which I think was in the story yes. a little bit. Yeah. So that makes sense. So give them more time so they, they're not like losing anything right. in the end, hopefully. Yep. <clears throat> um, and then she said any speed restrictions slowing down commercial shipping um, are for the most part, the commercial shipping industry is for the most part able to make up for lost time because the journey they're taking is typically so right. long. Right. Also, I'm a little less concerned about the shipping industry losing little bit of money agreed to save some whales yeah i think so too yeah so thank you so much Haley, for getting back uh that's awesome awesome if you ever have things like this where we got something wrong or i don't know you want to follow yeah. up just let sometimes us know sometimes we ask we each other in. questions that we don't yes. know the answer to so definitely if you know the answer let us we'll know. trust that it's right yeah <laughs> and then the other thing i threw in here i didn't really know what to do for it but um a couple days ago was international women's day and mm -hmm. so i thought it would just be cool to highlight that um, I don't know if you want to say anything about um, National Women's Day. Yeah, I mean, it's super cool, right? Like, and I see, a lot, I saw a lot, like, during the day, um, which was interesting for me, like, different representations of that from other, like, mm. my friends or other, like, 
women in science that I follow or right. just like whatever, I don't know, influencers on Instagram yep. or Twitter or whatever. Um, and so it was just really cool that like it's it kind of takes on its own interpretation for different yeah. like different people, different women. How do you want to celebrate like your yourself, myself or anyone else's self as like a woman doing their their thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was cool. It was like women in science like celebrating and then it was other people like celebrating being moms or being right. like sisters and aunts and uncle, yeah. not uncles aunts <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it was just really cool it was just a day full of love i yeah. thought so yeah yeah it's awesome so yeah shout out to all the women out there all the women scientists as well yeah i know like i saw a lot too on mm-hmm. especially i follow a lot of scientists on instagram um, a lot of them talking about the important things that we need to be like inclusion in science yeah. and how women have been excluded typically and it's such a challenge and how we need to improve those systems so yeah those are important things to think about and mm-hmm. i think yeah if we have opportunities maybe we'll bring more stuff on the show like that yeah cool cool awesome so with that let's jump into our first uh well i guess our second segment because we just had a segment <laughs> but our new segment which is the main segment of the show uh, which is called News Weekly or New Environmental World Stories We Explore Using Experiences and Knowledge Landed by You. Um, and we're going to kick this off with a question. Cool. So Sarah, who you know, Sarah. Sarah Hughes? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, thanks, wrote Sarah. In, yeah, thanks, Sarah. Wrote into at Act on Science on Instagram, which is super awesome, with a question, uh, which is, what are some stats on how COVID is increasing slash decreasing CO2 emissions? So thank you so much, Sarah. That's a great question. And we're going to talk about that today. Yeah. But first. But first, um, I thought it would be important to actually introduce what the COVID-19 or coronavirus actually is. So I literally found this answer by typing into Google, what is the coronavirus? And it came up from, like, the first hit was the World Health Organization, or WHO, W-H-O. Yes. Um, I called it WHO the other day, and Delaney was like, No. I was like, I'm pretty I re- sure. I read it as who. Yeah. yeah. Like in my head when I see Why that not? acronym. But Maybe, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, they should be a they good, should be. very uh, reputable source. I think we were just so, talking yeah. about. Yeah, no, they are for sure. Um, but basically, the coronavirus um, is actually a group of viruses, so a family. Um, and it had a, like C little o capital V, like big C little o, um, for like the actual virus family and then this includes things like the SARS virus which was oh oh, I forgot to write down the acronym what it means but respiratory acute respiratory syndrome I cannot remember the the first S maybe I have severe maybe um wow yeah severe acute respiratory syndrome so but SARS which was the big thing back in like 2008 or something Mm. like that Way, way long time ago. But it's, so they're actually in the same family. That's really interesting. Um, Yeah, so then the COVID-19 is the novel virus that they've now discovered. Um, And it basically just means like it's never been seen before. This new Mm. type of virus that belongs to this family that are the coronaviruses. Um, And the coronaviruses are zoonotic diseases. So zoonotic diseases mean that they can be transmitted between animals and people. So they think that um, SARS came from civets, I think. Okay, I didn't know what are what are those. They're like a cat, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I didn't a, know that. a wild cat. Okay. Um, I should look that up too. But anyway, the symptoms of 
the coronavirus or the one that the novel one, which is the COVID-19 right now is um, respiratory symptoms, a fever, and then cough, shortness of breath basically is, is all that they have that is a symptom of the virus. Other things can occur from that, like pneumonia um, and other like respiratory distresses. Um, but yeah, that's what the the coronavirus that we talk about now actually is, is COVID-19. So. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure a lot of us have heard about this, if not everybody. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. Like it's kind of taking over the world news. Yeah. I don't know, for a while now. Well, it, I also read that it started, the first case was December 31st. So oh, wow. like. Okay. We'll say January 1st, like the yep. very first day of this year was like the first case. Wow. So okay. in the last like two months, basically, yeah. it's been nonstop yeah. in the news. That's incredible. Yeah. So. So yeah, it is a bit of a wonder we haven't talked about it at all. Yeah. Till now. I mean, I think partially I've been avoiding it because everyone I'm sure is reading about it mm-hmm. anyways, but mm-hmm. there was a couple stories this week, which I thought would be interesting to bring in. Uh, so yeah, our first couple stories are about the coronavirus and climate change. Um, some directly, yeah, we'll see. Anyways, so the first story, actually the first bit is actually two news stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first news story is NASA confirms a fall in greenhouse gas emissions in China amid coronavirus outbreak. And that comes to us from Raphael Saracita and Julie Colbert at Euronews. And then the second story, which had just a little bit more information uh, is called Coronavirus is an Environmental Wake-Up Call by Madhvi Ramani at The Week. And I just kind of put asterisks here to note that this is an opinion piece. Correct. Because uh, I think it's important to note that, but I also went and checked in mm-hmm. on the stats that were listed, and they they seem pretty yeah. good. We'll it is an opinion about. piece, but yeah, it's well, like, confirmed. Yeah. Most of the stuff in there. It's not just like, this is what I think. Based right. on a lot of facts. It's tricky because I think the yeah the facts were there, and then the opinion is more like, what does it mean? Right. Yeah. Which I think is an okay thing. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, let's dive in. So NASA has detected a large reduction in greenhouse gases in China, um, and this goes directly to Sarah's question. So this, mm-hmm. hopefully this answers a little bit of it. Uh, specifically, nitrous oxide, which is mainly caused from road traffic and industry. Um, I thought I'd stop there and insert our little segment, Words Are Hard, where we talk about hard words that are hard to understand for everybody. Um, Because we talk about greenhouse gases all the time on the show, but typically we're talking about carbon dioxide, Mm -hmm. because that's like the main climate change causer, I guess. Yeah, and like also the biggest, I think, like buzz term, and like if we get down to the actual like CO2 right. is the molecular like right. makeup of yeah. this gas that people are really familiar with. So I think it's pretty yeah, yeah common. But yeah, I wanted to put this in because uh, CO2, carbon dioxide, is not the only greenhouse gas. Right. Uh, there are quite a few of them. I don't know how many, but uh, there are quite a few important ones. And I know nitrous oxide, which they talk about here, is one of the uh, larger ones as well. Mm-hmm. And as it says, it's a mainly... Um, sourced from road traffic and industry. Um, So yeah, that's really great. Um, So this is crazy. CO2 emissions in China are down by about a quarter to what they normally are. Um, About equal to what New York produces in one year. I had to read that twice. I had to read it twice. (laughs) I had to check it like three times. I know. Because I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't, it's insane. It's crazy. On like several levels, 
The first one is that this is how much reduction mm-hmm. that is being produced. And the second one is how much, like, the comparison between New York and, and China. China. Yes. Like, I mean, New York obviously isn't an entire, like, country on its own. Right. And we're talking about, like, the U.S. in general has several of these, like, major producing right. cities and stuff. But, like, but, yeah. Yeah, it goes to show how many people are in China and yeah. how many emissions come out of China. Mm-hmm. I think China's the biggest emitter from what I've seen, um, but relative to how many people are there, right. it's not. Yes. So, like, obviously more people, more emissions you'd mm-hmm. expect. Canada's actually really bad relatively because although our emissions aren't the most overall, we don't have that very many people. Right. And relative to how many people we have, mm-hmm. it's not great. So, yeah, crazy. About a quarter of what New York produces in one year um, is how much they've gone down over the past couple months. So initially, uh, NASA thought it might have something to do with the Chinese New Year. Right. Um, because I think they see that kind of each year, just mm-hmm. a small reduction around this time. Which I didn't look into, but I assume is based on just like the celebration right. and like reduction of work and stuff. I correct? think so. I think that's I think what that's I read. Why. Yeah. Yeah. Holidays, people not going out yeah. as much and things like that. Um, but they kind of have continued to monitor it and it hasn't come back to normal. And so they say this is mostly due to a reduction in the number of flights happening, mm-hmm. uh, particularly within the country, and the number of cruise ships, which I thought was really yeah, interesting. very interesting. So I'm sure there are other things that go into that, but just think about that for a second. Planes and cruise ships in one country, and all of this has caused like a lot of that to stall, and about a quarter of those missions, or a quarter... Yeah, a quarter of their emissions have been reduced, and it's uh, as much as New York produces in a year. So just think about like the how many emissions are coming just from planes. And, and this cruises. is this is in the last few months. This isn't yes. a year of China's emissions right. versus a year of like, yeah, this isn't a couple months. This is how much it's been reduced, which is mind blowing. It is mind blowing, and it was really interesting. So. I don't know, you'd think like, oh, maybe that happens sometimes. But NASA said this is the first time they've ever seen something like this over such a big area related to like one right. kind of isolated, I guess, they called it an event, but I think yeah. for one specific reason is what they Yeah, meant. like they've directly related this to the virus mm-hmm. outbreak. And I think they also talked about how this has happened before around, not as extreme, right. but around like, was it the Olympics, I think? Yes, they did. The Olympics and something else, too. I forget what it was. But basically, this sometimes happens when there's less, like, travel or whatever mm-hmm. for a certain thing or a certain amount of time. But, yeah, this, due to a virus, is really crazy. Really crazy. Yeah. And I, so, I forgot to put this in, but I saw also for the nitrous oxide, which we mentioned earlier, I think we're down about 30% of what they normally Right. Are. So, it's not just the carbon dioxide, mm-hmm. it's also the nitrous oxide. So yeah, hopefully that answers your question, Sarah. Um, I looked a little bit to see if there were more stats about like globally, Right. uh, but I think that's more difficult and I didn't see anything yet. I bet you by the end of the year, we'll have some sort of statistics about that because I think it was just before I came here, I saw, Mm. I got like the news notification on my phone and it said that like Air Canada is suspending travel to Italy right now or something like that so that's maybe not I don't know how many people travel to Italy from Canada every day week whatever but I'm this is happening everywhere so I'm sure we'll see as like things progress how it's affected 
Yeah. Missions, Incredible. travel. Incredible. The economy. The economy, which we'll get to. <laughs> so yes, that's a good segue into the why it matters. Um, I just put, it's cool that NASA can see emissions using satellites and mm-hmm. how they change with activity. The video, or the videos, the pictures on that mm. news article are pretty, like, shocking. Yeah. In terms of what you can see on the actual mm. photo and stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. So it's, I just thought it was cool because it's like, I don't know, again, greenhouse gases are weird. Like, mm-hmm. we can't see them, like, mm-hmm. with our own eyes. But it's cool that using satellites, we can actually see the pollution being reduced. Yeah. Pretty neat. Super cool. Oh, hi, Lewis. Hi, Lou. Excuse me, you're intruding. We're busy. Can we see you from space, Lou? <laughs> yeah, probably. Hi, buddy. With all that fluff. Um, yeah, and then the other, the second thing I put in here, um, which I don't think we've talked about too, too much on the show, but... Mm-hmm. Of course, human health and the environment are closely connected. Like, we can just see it with this example. Um, and one thing that's, I think, really important with climate change that we haven't talked about too much is that it's expected to worsen the transmission of... I put illnesses, which is kind of vague, mm-hmm. but I think the word they use in the IPCC reports is, like, diseases. Diseases, yeah. So I did a quick Google because oh, I awesome. wanted to see what this meant yeah um and i did find an article it's up here somewhere which one am i gonna click on? <laughs> oh it is the right one. Oh wow for this sure. is from uh state of the planet earth institute columbia university um so it looks like a pretty reputable site um and it's obviously like pretty green it's all about like news from the earth institute yeah um so how climate change is exacerbating the spread of disease by renee chow this was published in 2014, wow. just as a reference. Um, but it had some good information just about how climate change is linked, like how this mm-hmm. is sort of a thing. Because I was like, in what way? Are they talking right. about temperature? Like, what mm. are they talking about specifically climate change related? Right. Um, and so from this article, basically what it was saying is that um, some diseases that are temperature related, even by proxy, so like mosquitoes, Yep. transmitting malaria mosquitoes like it hot and wet mm. so when there's like higher temperatures and more precipitation based on whether it be like severe weather events or what have you that can be one way that wow. it can in- like increase the spread of disease but also when we talk about the zoonotic viruses so the ones that go for like people animal whatever yeah. um climate change and like the bigger development issue in general is kind of pushing animals and people closer together so Uh, when there's less rainfall and then there is a big precipitation event so then there's all this water in like these small areas Mm -hmm. right away like all these animals sort of flock to the water sources and we're talking about obviously not halifax when this Mm -hmm. happens we're talking about like um like more developing rural Mm -hmm. countries um all the animals and the people go to the same water source or they're, or the animals come in closer where they know there's water. So it's kind of pushing these like species together, humans wow. being one of the species. Yeah. Um, so that was another thing. They talked about like the different growing seasons, so different fruit or like an overproduction of fruit can cause like all, again, the same thing, like pushing together different like species and yeah. all the diseases and mingling and pushing people to find different sources of food. It was really interesting. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, but that was basically how they were talking about climate change linking to increasing disease transmission. Mm. Um, 
It didn't talk about like person to person, like you and I right. sharing a disease yeah. because of climate change, but in general, how these things come up and are transferred, mm. that sort of deal. So yeah, so that was really interesting. Wow. To that's... sort of jump yeah. on a little bit of a tangent, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's really, that's perfect. And that's very interesting. And yeah, it just goes to show how, how we're changing our planet mm-hmm. is affecting all these sorts of things. Perfect example. And then the last thing, which we'll segue into our next story, um, is, and this was interesting, so this first headline I found was from March 4th, <clears throat> excuse me, which is like a week ago now, mm-hmm. uh, saying the global stock market had a decline that was the biggest since 2008, and things have gotten even worse since then. Which is crazy. It is crazy. So let's jump into our next story. Uh, do you want to go through this one? Yeah. Um, so I am not an economist at all. A me lot either. of this was quite... <laughs> abstract in the terms of how like the the market works yeah but (laughs) but we'll we'll take a stab at it because it is very interesting um so this article is from sarah i want to say rieger rieger yeah rieger sure at cbc news um and it is oil prices take the biggest plunge in decades taking another bite out of a battered alberta so basically oil prices have dropped dramatically worst drop since 1991 um which i wasn't around for so no me neither (laughs) which is it says something right it's it's, been a long time since yeah very long time um with big companies like suncor and cenovus cenovus i think cenovus cenovus sure i don't know i'm gonna make that oil and gas kind of Kind of gal, but anyway, losing 18 and 50% respectively of their value. Um, why is this happening? Well, I think it's a combination of the coronavirus outbreak and an oil price war between Saudi Arabia and Russia. Um, the OPEC, so the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, which I assume is a lot of the countries globally. It's only 13. Oh. Which is surprising. Yeah. So it's An like, intergovernmental panel of 13 countries. Yeah. So it's mainly Middle Eastern countries. Right. I saw. So yeah, it's pretty small, actually. Huh. I, I thought it was huge, too. I, I thought so, too. I must have missed that piece. Um, but they couldn't get the country to agree, basically, this organization. Couldn't get everyone on the same page. So Saudi Arabia decided to flood the market. Yes. So this means that they just pumped pumped but like put a bunch of their oil reserves i guess on the market so that they were able to be bought and it sort of like waters down the price of everyone else's oil yeah as far as i'm aware i think that's that's right yeah so i i think what typically happens and again i'm also on Mm -hmm. the outside of this i don't know the the nitty-gritty but I think normally there's like production caps right so it's like we'll only produce this much oil Mm -hmm. Um, and I, again, based on how there's agreements between the countries, I don't know how that works. Right. Like, it sounds like there's this kind of governing body who says, okay, we're all going to agree to produce this much oil yep. each month or whatever it is. Um, it sounds like Saudi Arabia, because there's been this tension or whatever, mm-hmm. they couldn't agree. Saudi Arabia was like, okay, no more caps on production. Right. We're just going to produce as much as we can. Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly like he said. Yeah. Floods the market, oil prices drop very crazy so yeah basically it was that problem and they think they called it like a one-two punch because Mm. of also the coronavirus yeah being part of this and i was like 
I under, I kind of get it, but how? And they basically talked about the reduction of like fossil fuels for travel right. is a big reason why. Um, but yeah, I don't know how that affects yeah, costs. I think but. it. I think it's the other side. I would assume is the demand is going right. down as well. So like again, not economists, but normally it's like a supply and demand thing, mm -hmm. right? If you don't have much, like like I'm not gold is a good example, right? You don't have much. Um, but everyone wants it, right. it's going to be expensive. Again, stock markets are super weird, and we'll talk a little bit more about why they're weird and annoying. Uh, so yeah, I think it's just that. They're, you're kind of having the one-two punch in the sense that they're producing a lot, so there's a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. And also people are using it less because no one's traveling right. right now. So it's like that, yeah. Which yeah. is, yeah, it's crazy. It's very, it's very weird. Um, I think there's also a lot of from what I was reading in a couple other stories earlier in the week, there's a lot of like unease in just the stock market in general. Right. Um, again, what that means, I think a lot of people are worried about the money they have invested. Mm -hmm. And so I think, well, yeah, overall, because I think, in, yeah, in this last story I mentioned, um, that was the global stock market right. where the had the biggest decline since 2008, which was the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't oil. That was just in general. Right. And it's gotten even worse since then. And so it's like, again, adding, I think, even more to the oil specifically. Yeah. So, yeah, we're talking a lot of things that are very abstract. So let's try to get into the why it matters. Um, and the article they mentioned that is expected to hit Alberta really hard and likely Canada as mm -hmm. well. Um, and, of course, this means people in the yeah. end right yeah. we've talked a lot about how although the oil companies have everything to gain uh from the oil they mm -hmm. extract they basically have nothing to lose because what they'll do probably and has happened in alberta mm -hmm. a few times in recent memory for me is they'll lay people off yeah because they can't afford to pay them anymore yeah um yeah so that's really that really sucks yeah i think we see like when gas prices go down, everyone's like, oh, yay, we can afford right. gas again. But it's like, oh, you should probably think about why that's happening. Mm. Like, it's usually not just because these companies have decided to give people a break. Right. Like, <laughs> Definitely. It yeah. comes from somewhere. So, but yeah. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah. And that's a good, I think, segue into this next point, which is really frustrating for me. And I think a lot of people. And it's that Canada's economy and Alberta particularly. Um, is extremely linked to fossil fuels mm -hmm. still. So like, again, I might get this wrong. I probably should have looked this up a little bit more, but I, I'm pretty sure there's this like, for a while, maybe not nowadays, but like in the last 10 years, there's been this relationship with Canada's dollar and oil, right? Yeah. If oil prices are high and it's doing well, Canada's dollar is doing mm -hmm. well. And because one of the reasons for that is because Canada exports so much oil and it's such a big part of how Canada makes money globally. Um, but of course we're now seeing the flip side yeah. and this is like one of these things that's been happening in a sense slowly, but it's starting to speed up, I think for the past while where a lot of smart people, including well, fossil fuel companies in a sense mm -hmm. and financial people are saying oil is likely going to keep getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper as we transition, hopefully to new energies. Right. Yeah. And so it's one of these things where there's the money in oil is starting to go down from what I've seen. Yeah. And so it's just really frustrating that Canada's still so tied to this form of making money and hasn't like spread out its mm -hmm. 
Yeah. It's I think and common. didn't it say something in this article about how one of the other problems with this like not really anyone's fault, but the fact that these two things have been at play, the virus and the price war. Um, it like how they regulated it was based on like poor models and stuff too. Oh, okay. I think I yeah. like read the article if you want, but um, which is interesting because you'd think that they would build in like um, uh, what what's the word I'm like looking a safeguard? for? Yeah, like some sort of safeguard, but it's so unpredictable on like the global scale. Yes. Why wouldn't you try and rely on something that you know you have? Like, you know you have control over in the sense of if you have solar panels, you mm -hmm. can pretty much estimate based on your, like, I don't know, weather, climate model, whatever, mm. like, that you're going to get this much output of energy to power this much, whatever. Right. So it's not like there is a fuel sh shortage in ter terms of, like, energy. Right. But the relationship between, like, all of these things is just mm -hmm. very interesting. Yeah, and so in all caps I put in here that the stock market is stupid uh and one of the reasons for that is again limited knowledge but i've learned a little bit about it i took one economics class yeah. in university and one of the things i've learned about is the stock market a huge part of it is there's this thing called speculation which is like basically when you like hear say you hear like the price of a stock is like relatively cheap mm -hmm. this is the sort of thing where people with tons of money say buy a whole bunch of that stock um, knowing that eventually they'll be able to sell it. Right. And so, like, at the end of the day, my understanding of the global stock market is it's a small group of very rich people who basically can, in a sense, gamble money. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what they're doing. They're basically saying, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of this stock in the hopes that it will go up and yeah. I can sell it off. And so that's what leads to these crazy fluctuations. And so one of the things I've heard about in terms of safeguards is if you prevent, like, if we have like we have a stock market that's probably not going to change yeah, <laughs> it yeah. like runs everything yeah. um if you have sort of protections against people being able to do this sort of thing mm -hmm. like buy a whole bunch of stock at once or sell a whole bunch at once it it would like lead to a more stable market and not have these sorts of situations where in a sense these rich people gambling is losing people's job yeah. losing people causing people to lose jobs in alberta yeah. which is very for me frustrating mm -hmm. I think probably a lot of people yeah and I don't think it's something that gets talked about or not a, a lot because it is again we've talked about we're not economists it's abstract it's, yeah it's hard to understand but I think like I've seen a bunch of stuff this week where it's like people who I know who know about these things are saying this and it's like right. oh wow this is this is insane people are gambling other people's jobs mm -hmm. away it's yeah. awful and I think like it can be easy well, it is easy to not understand this at all. Like, I don't understand. Yes. But, yeah, like, in that sense, not relating the things that are affecting you to that. Yeah, like, of course. Like, I'm sitting here, maybe I lose my job tomorrow because of something that's going on with this, like, how yeah. the stock market's functioning. I don't know that I would think of that right away. Yeah. Like, personally, I wouldn't be like, oh, it's because of these rich people that are, yeah. like, doing all these trading, or it's because of this and that, like, that my mind probably wouldn't go there because I have no concept of how that affects anything. Yeah. But, yeah. I think that's most of us problems. I know. So it's just interesting, like, just to kind of think about that. Yeah. Like, and I saw, like, exercise. the most, like, depressing take, but it was, like, true in a sense, and it's, I think, related to this a little bit. And it's that, like, we as a society have been conditioned to, like, 
see when like the economy the stock market mm-hmm. is like crashing that that's like really really yeah. bad and like in a sense it is because it is hurting people yep. but it's also the companies that we've talked about mm-hmm. employing the oil and gas workers are deciding to basically make up their losses by getting rid of workers right but anyways this person was saying it's amazing how rich people have in a sense conditioned us to like accept yeah. that like they do this and also be terrified when they start losing money. Yeah. Like, it's just this yeah. crazy system. We've just developed, like, blind trust or, like, sure, yeah, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's fine. That's just how it is. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, 2009 crazy. was a great year, or 2008, whenever the financial yeah. crisis was. It was great for everybody, right? It's yeah. just insane. Anyways, enough ranting for now. There's more later. <laughs> There's more to come. Um, but this next point was really interesting, I thought. So the NDP government in Alberta... Uh, which was in power previously, but it has recently mm-hmm. switched in the last year, I want to say, to uh, the Conservative Party <clears throat> in Alberta. So this is the provincial government. Uh, the NDP government in Alberta recently said that um, a very recent budget that the Conservative Party, who's ruling now, mm-hmm. was based on poor forecasts. Maybe this is what you were talking about. Oh, it could be. Uh, was based on poor forecasts and that <clears throat> the... Basically, the Conservative Party, who's ruling, or who's in power, I keep saying ruling, <laughs> who's in power, uh, received some sort of um, program, I guess, proposals from the yeah. NDP government mm-hmm. saying, here's a way to safeguard against this, yep. right? And the idea is you don't have all your money in one basket. Mm-hmm. Not all in oil, you spread it out, so if something like this happens, you're not hit as hard. And I guess the Conservative Party just Bye. said no, threw it away, <laughs> and that was that. So people are thinking about this, mm-hmm. and I think it's like, again, I, I cannot really speak to it because I'm not an oil and gas worker in Alberta, Me but neither. I can see how easy it would be to have this happen, and there are people to blame for sure, mm-hmm. but I also think it's important to think about the government that you have, Yeah. and this is what we talk about all the time. Your best way to act on science is voting, right? Mm-hmm. And this is something you need to watch out for because governments can be pretty deceitful about these sorts of things so yes and then the last point is the prices are not expected to improve for oil um at least in a significant like they'll probably bounce back yeah but again this talked about long-term forecasts are just that the money in oil is going away Mm -hmm. and people need to start preparing for that and canada needs to start preparing for that so (sighs) yes yep well Shall we move on to our we next shall. weird little quirky story? This one's a fun one. It is a fun one. So this, <laughs> I put the name of this this little part as Will Speckboom Solves <laughs> the Climate Crisis. Uh, so this story comes to us from Olivia Boyd at HuffPost US. And the title is, This Miracle Plant, and miracle in quotations, is supposed to save the world. Um, oh, I forgot to delete the words are hard. That's not a thing. So basically, there's this plant called speckboom, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong. I think you, I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. Speckboom is a succulent plant that used to grow abundantly in South Africa until the area was farmed and goats and sheep ate most of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like a common theme yeah. in, as far as like invasive species mm-hmm. or like you hear a lot of times, there's this like famous island somewhere where deer ended up there and basically oh. ate all the plants away and yeah in well, south africa especially as well from what i know um oh really this was, yeah is a pretty big issue? problem 
Yeah, because they, like, basically the whole, like, the South Africa is obviously the bottom of the continent right. of Africa. But, like, the whole, like, bottom tip of that, too, used to be the same sort of, like, habitat that, like, all you would picture, um, like, Kruger National Park, like, the safari, like, all oh, that kind really? of stuff. Yeah, and all of those animals were sort of, like, pushed pushed out so that's so interesting yeah so yeah i guess that one of these things was this plant called speck boom that used to grow abundantly there um and it's supposed to be really really good at absorbing carbon dioxide which hopefully we know by now yeah. could be a positive <laughs> thing for climate change mm -hmm. um so this was this article was mainly focused on the story of this uh this person growing speck boom in south africa with kind of these high hopes to make it like this big thing that everyone should do. Mm -hmm. um, so this has kind of been going viral on social media in South Africa. Uh, they talked about this huge bank that basically gave all their workers these spec oh, yeah. boom plants to like share with their families and friends and grow at home. Uh, the government is working to restore spec boom. <laughs> I love saying that. Spec I know <laughs> it's not like that a tech silly, company. Yeah, it does for sure. <laughs> oh gosh, like a digital tech company. Yeah. Uh, the government is working to restore the spectrum to uh, its original size, which apparently was about the size of 170 Manhattan A lot islands. of New York references today. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that doesn't really mean much to me. I don't know much about Manhattan. No. But I think it's pretty big. So. It's big when you're, like, in Manhattan. Mm. Relatively. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. It's, pretty big. it's a lot of spectrum, okay? <laughs> so... This is interesting, but researchers say that although this plant is good at absorbing CO2, uh, the messaging is getting out of hand and could be harmful. Uh, and they gave this one example of there's a lot of carbon dioxide stored in the soil. Mm -hmm. And so if you start digging up a whole bunch of soil to start planting this, you could actually be releasing more carbon dioxide mm -hmm. into the atmosphere, which is not what we want. Uh, there's also this kind of messaging going around to a lot of the people that, hey, if you just grow a few of these in your home, like you're carbon neutral now. Right which is not true and is a problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is this funny. Is, yeah, no, I, I, this article is really cool. And it's actually this guy who's proposing to create this like labyrinth of stuff is doing it in <laughs> Stellenbosch, which is okay. a, like a wine region in South Africa. Oh. I've actually been there. Oh, cool. Super oh, yeah, cool. I you were over there. It was super cool. Um, so, so like I can see from like when I was first reading, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. Because mm. there's like succulents in the sense that they perform like succulents where they don't need a lot of water to grow okay. and like have leaves and all that right. kind of stuff. But they're not like the tiny little ones that you would plant like in your mm. little like teacup. Like and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're not small little indoor plants. Right. I'm sure you can get small little cuttings, but these are like big mm. bushes in a lot of sense. Like oh, that so cool. animals eat, like buffalo mm. eat. And so I think what he's planning to do, at least what I kind of took or envisioned yeah. when I was reading this article, is like more of like an at-home project oh, of, okay. of yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, it's obviously huge. He must have a lot of land. But like, yeah, you can totally see how like Miracle Succulent mm -hmm. is such a clickbait like headline. Yep. Yeah, it got me. I was like, oh, I wonder what Super that's cool, about. Super cool, for of sure. Of course, being skeptical. I always see those now. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, but um, but yeah, super cool. So, super cool. Um, it was also just a really thought-provoking article once you like got past the initial like succulent mm -hmm. stuff, too, because then it started talking about, yeah, how this like messaging, it can be harmful and like yeah. how people 
want to be carbon neutral and that's great, but how are you doing it? How is it like, is it actually effective? And then like you're sort of watering down the like push for climate policy almost right. from people. Um, like they might be less willing to right. vote for a more um, like the word outrageous came to and not outrageous, but like more <laughs> aggressive climate yeah. strategy um, of like a candidate or something. They might be less willing to do that if they are like, oh, well, I'm carbon neutral on my own. Like these yeah. secular like actions not adding up to right. a bigger, like not following through on like a bigger scale. But yeah, it was yeah. very interesting. Yeah, it was a great article. It was really Because good. yeah, I feel like usually we see these stories and they end at the part where it's like, and it's going to be a miracle Yeah, plan. silver bullet. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but this like, yeah, it had a whole second section, which was all about mm -hmm. all of those things. So yeah. You got down to most of the why it matters, which is really awesome. Of these, no, no, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's way better if it comes up organically rather than listing everything off. Yeah, so it's it was cool that they talked about the psychology of the things mm -hmm. and how it's like there's studies on like, in a sense, it can be a positive thing because people are like more aware that right. they're helping out the environment yep. and it can encourage them to do more. But yeah, it can also lead to this sort of like, oh, we're good now. Yeah, like, we're carbon neutral because we have a few plants in our. Uh -huh. which could be a huge problem uh yeah i don't know is there anything else to talk about with this one um i guess just like the it talks a little bit about and you mentioned this like mm -hmm. the individual actions can be great but it's also we're in a we're at a stage where we need these widespread yeah. large-scale changes so yeah. yeah and it did talk about too like the whole going green by planting trees like mm. i think it said that trump pledge to plant yes. a trillion trees is yeah. that real yeah i didn't see it i don't think i saw that but anyway even, sure. even if it's real or not do i think that he's going to plant a trillion trees <laughs> absolutely not would it be helpful for the like the climate overall for sure but what the article was kind of talking about is the planting a trillion trees does not make up for all of the other either inaction or like adverse action against like climate change policy so it's sort of like don't get fooled by the greenwashing of these initiatives yeah. like yeah like sure planting a tree will help or like planting like millions of trees definitely makes an mm -hmm. impact but then it also said like it doesn't mean that that's better like planting a trillion trees is better than right than like not doing anything or it's like if we do that we can still cut down the amazon because we're replacing it right that doesn't that's yeah. not equivalent exactly so yeah, you're totally right. It's like one of those things where like planting a trillion trees would be cool, mm -hmm. but like it's not going to solve anything. No. Like by itself, I should say. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to cut back on emissions. And like you said, like it's one of these things where you're, uh, that's not going to be a cheap thing no. to plant a trillion trees. So should you maybe plant a million trees instead and then use the rest of the money for yeah. things that actually will help? So yeah, there's an article, New York Times... A trillion trees, how one idea triumphed over Trump's climate denialism. So I don't know the details, but yeah, I definitely heard that that was yeah. the thing he said. For whatever Ridiculous. reason. Yes. But yeah. Anything else for um, the spec boom? Spec boom. <laughs> spec I don't know. I was wondering how we could get some. Like if yeah. I could get some. It said it doesn't grow well. Like, and people should be mm. cautioned. It doesn't, it won't grow in your, like, my backyard here. Okay. There's no way. But I wonder, sad. like, if you could get it almost like symbolically and put it mm. in your house like i wonder if it does grow in little bits yeah even just like it'd be kind of cool for fun i don't know you i would not be surprised if you could find it 
We are yeah. an international, oh, what's it? we are a globalized world, right? Everything's everywhere. But, but it would have to ship from South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> Does that negate how much, how much emissions? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Yes. That was just my little name. Yeah, that'd be funny. It's a cute cool. little plant. Yeah, succulents are great. We have some. Yeah. maintenance-ish. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's it kind of for our news stories. So we'll move on to our last segment. Uh, where we talk about all the funny, incredible, ridiculous things that scientists do to find out all the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, scientists actually do that. That's what it's called. Uh, a little different today. So last night, I was getting ready to make the show notes for today. All excited. Well, I mean, as, as excited as I always am. <laughs> to read all these stories, put them together. And I started going through like my bookmarked things. And one of them was like this interesting story, which I'll get to in a second. Um, and I was like, oh, that's kind of, I don't know, I'm sure this happened to you a million times, where oh. you read a story and you're like, that seems a little weird. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, who wrote this? Mm-hmm. Like the classic thing we always talk about, sourcing your information. Yep. And it led me to another, anyways, I'm, I'm about to kind of rant. So I'm I'll here for go. it. <laughs> I'm, Even though I feel like I already did really. But buckling up. I was like fired up last night and so annoyed. So yes, there's this article, and I'll just read some of these bits from it. Um, this was on the Financial Post, which I've taken news stories from before. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was pretty good, but this is, we'll get into why this was problematic, this specific story. So, these are a few things. This story, which I forgot to put the title in for some reason. Um, too, too hyped up about too it. Too <laughs> hyped up. Actually, I think I have the link here. Screw the title. Oh no, I'm going it up. Yeah, it I doesn't can, even deserve to I be I think said. I pulled it up, actually. Is it this one? Yes, it's that one. It just says Ross McKittrick. Uh, and then, like, in quotes, believing in the science on climate change doesn't mean any policy goes. Yeah, so I read that and I was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Like, Yeah, it doesn't really point you in the direction that the article goes. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't. So, this article basically says um, that mainstream science and economics does not support radical action on climate change. And I was kind of like... Okay, that's a bit weird. That's mm-hmm. not what I've read or heard or no. learned about in school. Or, and again, more on the science side, because economics... Again, I've heard a bit, and that's not what I've heard, but yeah. still, not my area. So I was like, okay, interesting. Then I put this quote in. <laughs> There's this quote. In a recent peer-reviewed paper, my co-authors and I proved this using one of the economic models governments and academics around the world rely on. Okay, that seems fine. I wanted to put a words are hard part two in here. Okay. And talk about peer reviewed. Yep. So it's something I feel like a lot more people outside of science have heard than like a lot of other science things. Yeah. So peer reviewed, I don't know, how would you describe peer reviewed? I mean like it is pretty self-explanatory yeah. in the sense that it's just the people that like read what you want to get published and what you want to become like fact essentially yeah. or like whatever. Um, and then they say like, yes, this is good or no, this is garbage yeah. or like, this is good, but, or whatever. Yeah. So it's basically just like this process of getting your stuff published and sort yeah. of like a quality control. Right. Yeah. yeah. You have to do this to get something published in a scientific journal. In a, yeah. In a yeah. scientific journal, that means nothing about what goes in the news. No. Yes. Or like independent journals. Yes. And I also wanted to mention like something I learned about really early on in school, which was great and surprised me is that just because something is peer reviewed does not mean it's good. Exactly. Because 
usually it's like two people will read that well obviously lots of people read it as you make it mm -hmm. but for this peer review process usually it's two people yeah will read it and kind of give their comments and like well what if it's not their area of expertise or what if they Which miss something totally happens yep a lot of times that's why you see retractions in yeah. journals is that what they're called yeah retractions? yeah there is this did you hear about this uh there's there's bad people out there, including bad scientists. There's and like this guy. bad on purpose too. Yes, yeah. there was this guy. Did you hear about this? This guy was a peer reviewer for a long time. Mm -hmm. I don't know all the details, but someone was telling me about this, and it was in the news. He would basically read someone's article as a peer reviewer, and in the comments say, "You need to cite this paper," and it was his own oh, paper, no. and he did this over and <gasps> over and over again to the point where his like. There's like this rating on how many citations mm -hmm. you get, right? Um, which is a big deal for a scientist. And his was like really, really high. And then I guess they found this out and that's it. That's, that's it for his career. So peer review does not guarantee quality. No. It's important, mm -hmm. but it's not like the stamp of approval that this is perfect. Right. Is that a good way? To... Yeah, that's cool. right. So we've talked about peer reviewed. So yeah, they say this is peer reviewed. That's fine. Um, they talk about extra CO2 benefits. Um, so basically there's this like, there's this common thing you always hear that like CO2 is good for plants, mm -hmm. which, okay, plants need carbon dioxide to breathe. Right. Very important. Yes. If you hear this, be skeptical of it <laughs> because it's not like, there's a, first of all, there's a limit. It was ironic. One of the other stories I had bookmarked, which I didn't have time to like, bring in because it was like mm -hmm. a whole movie but it was about the opposite of this saying some plants have limits mm -hmm. to how much carbon dioxide they can take up mm -hmm. so the blanket statement of extra carbon dioxide being good for plants is not true no that's like saying extra oxygen is good for humans right like we can only like too much oxygen and eventually is bad yes so exactly perfect <laughs> example so yes yeah, so when you see that Again, little red flag. We'll grow bigger humans if we have more. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is what really killed me. So, um, this is a quote directly from the article. Or sorry, this first part isn't. They said they used these integrated assessment models in this paper that they talk about. And then <laughs> this is a quote. Only one of the models allows for a small gain in agricultural productivity as CO2 levels rise based on estimates from the 1990s of the size and effect. So that's the one we use. Great. <laughs> so that's when all the red flags should go up, everyone. If you hear one scientist or anybody say, well, there were 10 things or there were multiple options to choose from. And we chose to pick the one that <laughs> we wanted to. I mean, like, oh, what? I know. They say, they say that. Like, they're just... First of all, I mean... My thought is, why would you say that? Just yeah. keep that hidden. <laughs> Don't tell people that. But, like, unless you're doing it as a what-if scenario, right. like a, like a, let's assume best case. Yeah, yeah, like, I don't, like But I don't experiment. think that's what this is. No, it wasn't at all. Because, like, the whole article is about the, yeah. these things they found, and then they have this in here. Yeah. We, we were looking for things that benefited plants or carbon dioxide benefiting agriculture. Yeah. And we found one model that did that. So that's the one we Yeah, it's like saying I found $10 on the road one day. That's going to be my career. Oh Just my looking gosh. for $10 bills <laughs> on the sidewalk. Okay, so this is when I was like, oh, okay, this is not. This, mm -hmm. There's a problem here. So I was like, okay, where does this actually come from? 
And it comes from this thing called the Fraser Institute. Mm -hmm. So although it was an article published in the Financial Post, this person, the guy's name that you read, who wrote it is from the Fraser Institute. Right. Ross, Rick, whatever. Ross, yeah, like, Ross something, Ross. I think. Good old Ross. <laughs> so I was like, okay, what is this? Like, what is, because I had heard about this yeah. before, and I was like, I, this might be one of and the And I bands. hadn't, so this was very interesting. Okay, great. So, huh, the Fraser Institute. This is directly from their website. So I went to them first, because mm -hmm. I was like, what is it about? You know, when you click the little about tab. Yep. So this is a quote from their website. Our mission is to improve the quality of life for Canadians, their families, and future generations by studying, measuring, and broadly communicating the effects of government policies, entrepreneurship, and choice on their well-being. End quote. Sounds great. Cool. We like that. I we can, like positive things for with, people. With that, sure. Yeah, quality of life for Canadians. Yeah. Another quote. Our research is peer-reviewed and overseen by an editorial advisory board of leading international scholars. The Fraser Institute promotes transparency in research. In other words, our methodology is open and clearly explained, and others can replicate our conclusions. In addition, the source of our data is always provided. End quote. Pretty good. Weird that you have an editorial advisory board that yeah. does your peer review. Normally it's like, for a scientific journal, there's like a committee mm -hmm. of authors connected to that journal. Is that? That's yeah, my and like you don't really seen. get to know who your reviewers are. Yeah. So like... Yeah, it's like a blind process. Yeah, honestly. like I couldn't give you my paper to review and be like, hey, can you... Right. Can you just like do me a solid and say this is all good? In right. this case, we don't know that that's not what's happening. Right. Yeah. And it could be not. But it could be not, but we don't. Yeah, know we don't. That. Know. The rest is okay. Like, science is all about having repeatable methods. That's mm -hmm. great. Sources of data important. Okay. Um, I don't know. Why I have this. I must have been mad because I like have like a <laughs> bunch of stuff just pasted in here. Um, there's this next thing that says the Fraser Institute research is independently conducted. Okay, that's fine. Oh, that's why, this next sub thing, which is also a quote from the website. To protect our independence, we accept no government funding or contracts for research. We rely entirely on voluntary donations from concerned individuals, foundations, and other organizations. End quote. Okay. Sure. A little weird. A lot of research is government funded. Mm -hmm. Doesn't, again, mean it's perfect. Mm -hmm. But in Canada, that's like, well, in all over the world, that's the majority yeah. of yep. research, right? Is publicly funded mm -hmm. through the government. And I think when I read this, I was like, first of all, it's interesting that your voluntary donations was a bit of a tip off for me when I read that, mm -hmm. too. It's like, donated by whom? Yeah. Um, but also, we accept no government funding or contracts for research. That almost to me sounds like they're trying to say that they are independent from the government in the sense that you hear the like, well, the government paid to have this research produced. Right. And that's not happening here. Right. Um, so <laughs> to go out of their way to say that, it just kind of felt like a bit of a like, look at, like, we're not yeah. in ties with the government. But it's a weird thing. It was, to say. it was just a little odd. Yeah. So at this point, I'm like, okay, this, this is a bit weird. Mm -hmm. What do other people say about this? Yeah. And this is where the rabbit hole begins. <laughs> so I Googled it. What is the Fraser Institute? Or is it, I can't remember the, I think I just Googled Fraser Institute yeah. and just went to see. Because typically, if there's like a group like this that is doing bad stuff, mm -hmm. like even if you just Google them, there will probably be stuff like third or fourth hit that's like, 
this is problematic. Yeah. Or, yep. Anyways. So I found this thing uh, from a website called North 99 saying that the Fraser Institute promotes right-wing ideology. And I was like, okay, that's not great. But it doesn't mean too much. Mm-hmm. What about North 99? Is this a trustworthy source? Yep. And I did this about four or five times <laughs> where I was like, I think the next one was called Source Watch. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. So I click it and I read the about and I'm like, okay, <laughs> it sounds good, but I don't know. Yeah. And then I go to another one and it's like this, I was like trying to get each source. I was like, is this one good? And I was like, well, I'll check it with this one. But is that one good? Yeah. I'll check it with another one. Is that one? And I was like, what? What am I where supposed to do here? Where am I? Yeah. And it's like, I think this is where I was starting to get upset where it's like, or not even upset, but frustrated. It's like, mm-hmm. this is something I'm used to doing all the time, just yeah. checking the source, right? When it's this hard to mm-hmm. do for, for someone who's been doing it, like, throughout their education for many years, yep. it's like, oh my gosh, what are people supposed to do? I know. Like, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, like, how, and, like, how are you expected to do that without, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's natural to anyone no. in the first place. Or fair or, yeah. No, yeah. So yeah, eventually I came to um, this website called D Smog Blog, which I know. And I was like, thank goodness. I know this Aww. one. It's been recommended by climate scientists that I know mm-hmm. in, in university. I was like, cool, I know these people. These people are the successor to the Narwhal, okay. which is a Canadian news outlet that we've read a bunch on the show. Yep. Um, is pretty new. This nar- The Narwhal has won, I think they've only been around for like a year and a bit. They've already been winning environmental journalism awards. Like, super awesome, right? Cool. Here's what Blog says about the Fraser Institute, and this is where it gets obviously problematic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you mentioned this earlier. Where is their money coming yeah. from? And if there's one thing that you can do to like source your information or like to check whether a source on on the information you're looking at is good, try to find where their money comes from. Right. Because, so the Smog Blog says, Fraser Institute is a libertarian think think tank based in Vancouver. Also, think tanks be very skeptical of always because a lot of the groups who do this kind of crap Mm -hmm. are think tanks. Yeah. It sounds like some great, like, meeting of the mind. <laughs> it really does. And, like, we've been conditioned to trust uh, smart people yeah. for the most part. But, yeah. And that's what it makes it sound like. It and does. They are, they are very smart people. Yeah. But. There's a big but. There's a big but. So their stance on climate change, and this was a quote from one of their uh, publications, one of the Fraser Institute's own publications. Mm-hmm. There is no compelling evidence that dangerous or unprecedented changes are underway, end quote. That's just the opposite of what we see in the IPCC. Yeah. I would say the most trustworthy place for Mm -hmm. climate information. Hundreds of scientists internationally coming together, looking at, we talked about these guys picking their one model. Mm -hmm. The IPCC does the opposite of that. They look at like basically every, every article, like scientific article published on climate change. Yep gray like maybe yeah. maybe not yeah bring them all together and say okay what is everything telling us mm-hmm. and that's how they like gauge their well we're pretty sure about this or we're almost certain they have these mm-hmm. like right so yeah that's just wrong and i went and i clicked this and it was the most incredible thing i've ever seen delaney laughed because i like let out a cackle and it was like <laughs> so I, I was like okay what is the, like what is the source that they quoted yeah and it was a Fraser Institute publication. 
it was a response to the IBCC report. And it had literal... So they wrote something, and then the authors went in to this PDF and put comments in on their own things. What? Being like... So it would, like, say something, and then they put a comment in that was like, this is obviously bad. And, like, give a couple reasons. Like, it was the most oh ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I was dying. What? Anyways. Most important thing that the smog blog says about the Fraser Institute. I'm sorry. We will wrap up soon. I'm ranting. Good. <laughs> so, most of the funding comes from a bunch of these voluntary donors, as they said. One of the biggest ones, the Koch Foundation. We've talked about the Koch brothers, I want to say, in the first episode. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Long, long yeah. time ago. The Koch brothers, very well-known oil money, mm-hmm. among the richest people in the world, donated $1.43 million to the Fraser Institute over there. I think it was over their existence. Uh, there were a bunch of donors I didn't recognize. One I did. ExxonMobil, 120,000. It's a big tip off there. Yes. If you see oil money going into a climate change thing, yeah. no, just no. Click away. Yeah, especially when it's bad news. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a very good Be point. Be very skeptical. Especially ExxonMobil. They're one of these uh, companies who have been, there have been court cases against, I don't know if any have won, but there has been well-documented examples of how they have continued to lie and spread disinformation mm-hmm. about climate change. Uh, another one I thought was really interesting, the Cyril, I don't know how to pronounce it, Cyril Freedom Trust, 850000 And I clicked this because I was going through some of them. I didn't understand a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of them is like, this is a rich family with money yeah. who donated. Okay. Probably gets money from oil or something. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know yeah a bunch of them <laughs> did for sure. This one was like a sugar company, which I thought was interesting. really interesting because way back in like, I don't know, four years ago when I first started blogging about Act on Science things back when it was a different name. I did this little blog post on um, oil, tobacco, and sugar. Mm -hmm. Because there's this thing where, like we've talked about a lot on the show, oil companies spreading disinformation, a lot of that used the same tactics and lawyers and people as the tobacco industry did. Interesting. To base when that was all like a thing of like, are they harming people? Yep. And they lied, basically. <laughs> no, it's good and, for you um, to smoke. Yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> we actually uh, in one of my in one of the map classes. Yeah. I don't know if you guys did this, but we watched a video of like the hearing of like these. Uh, I don't know who it was. I think it was the the researchers mm-hmm. were like under oath and everything. And this person was like, "Do you believe that these will harm people?" And each one of them like said, "No, I do not believe this will harm people." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is crazy." Anyways, uh, the reason I bring up the sugar thing is because I was listening to I think we were wa- actually watching like a food show a while mm-hmm. back, and they were talking about a similar thing happened with <gasps> the sugar industry. Yes, I think I saw the same thing. This? Yeah, I want to say it was. Um, Explained? Yeah, maybe. On Netflix? Yeah, it was it was like a Netflix documentary. Something like that. But basically sugar companies kind of did the same thing where they Rotten, maybe? Oh maybe. Sorry. It all sounds so familiar. I know. No, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember which one. But yeah, basically they did a similar thing, saying sugar's not bad. They basically spread misinformation mm-hmm. to get sugar into everything in yep. a sense. So they could profit. Yeah. So there you go. That's wow. crazy. And then I just was curious, like, where does D Smog Blog get their money? Yeah. Because I've heard they're good, but I wanted to check it out. 
they had this thing called a five-star rating from Transparify, which was very cool. There's this organization called Transparify, which provides ratings um, for organizations based on their financial transparency huh. uh, for major think tanks. Wow. So obviously we just talked about how think tanks can be problematic. Yeah. If, you're, if you see one, you're like, what? A good place to check is Transparify. Cool. They publish these reports. They give out ratings for all these think tanks. And it like doesn't necessarily mean everyone there um, investigating is like good or bad, obviously. Right. And transparency doesn't mean it's good. It just means at least they're sharing where their money right. is coming from. Yeah. And usually, people are more willing to share things that are not bad. Yeah. But sometimes oil companies also invest in like... Well, they invest or like put money towards projects that are about like renewables and stuff too. That's your own oh, sort of sure. ethical like yep. I don't know battleground if you think that that's right or wrong. Yep. So yeah, that's yeah. where it gets tricky because a lot of them are doing that. Yeah. And they, I think part of the reason is because there's money to be made mm -hmm. there, and they should be really doing that. So yeah, that was my rabbit hole of trying to find the source and then finally coming out in the end with a solution, but. Yeah. Oh man, it's frustrating. So if this happens to you, send us questions. If you see a source and you're like, eh, look for these red flags. Look for people saying they chose one model out mm -hmm. of six or they, or where their money is coming from. Like, yeah. These are the things you can look for. Um, but yeah, if you are finding it hard or you don't want to because it took me an hour yeah. <laughs> like, to just do this. I hadn't even started writing the notes yet. Yeah. Uh, then send them to us and we can try to look into it. I think like it helps because we know. Right. Like I kind of had heard of the Fraser Institute before and knew. Yeah. Or at least I was pretty sure it was one of these bad ones, but yep. I wanted to figure out why. So yeah. Send them our way. For sure. And I think it's interesting too because like I mean, we're sort of conditioned at this point to recognize something that might be a little off, even if it's packaged in really pretty, like pretty formal or like yeah. official seeming packaging. Totally. Um, like a website or something. But um I think it can be tricky for people to, to navigate that if you're not used to it too. So like yep. even a quick like, this website looks fine, but is it? Like, and then just find if there's something else that mm -hmm. it's quoted or whatever, it can be as simple as that. Or yeah, it can take yeah. you like six hours to, yes. <laughs> to, to dig down. But. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like it's something we've been practicing for mm -hmm. years in it's, school. Yeah, right? it's not easy. Like, no. and it does definitely, yeah, it takes practice yeah. for sure. Yeah, so yeah, that was my rabbit hole. I. I hope, I feel bad for anyone out there who gets stuck in the same one. So try not to because it's... Especially the same hard. one because they could just listen to us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. the exact <laughs> same one. Uh, yes. Well, anything else to add for this week's show? Um, I don't think so. Cool. This episode was just kind of fun. I know we're going a little yeah, long, okay. but like... It, I think it all just ties nicely. Like we started talking about the coronavirus, mm -hmm. moved into climate change, which moved into an economic thing, which moved into how to solve this problem, which then went back to like fact checking. Right. And then like looking into your sourcing. And then now it's like, if you take it back to the coronavirus stuff, it's like all the same. Like where are you getting your yep. information? And yep. like how our world is so like connected and embedded and like all of these issues are so complicated yeah but yeah no it was really cool oh i'm so glad you said that that's what we're supposed to be all about right connecting everything together so yay we, we did it <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us this week everyone this has been the act on science show for another week again if you have anything you'd like to say to be part of our show to ask questions like sarah did 
Send us corrections if we get things wrong. Head over to at Act on Science on Instagram. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.